Welcome one, welcome all. It is Tuesday, June 6th, 7.01 p.m. Central Standard Time, which means we are live on both the Blog of the Boys YouTube and Twitch channels for this week's Blog of the Boys Roundtable. You can, of course, watch us live or at your own convenience. You can also listen on the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network. We like to make this nice and accessible for you. We know it is the month of June. We know it is the doldrums of summer, but we are still here to talk Cowboys nonetheless every single Tuesday evening. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your Blog of the Boys content. That makes our heart sore. I say our. My name is RJ Ochoa. You know me and all of the other three horsemen here tonight from all throughout the Blog of the Boys universe. If you are watching, we're going to go in clockwise order. We start as I can't catch my breath, apparently. In our top right, our northeast quadrant, it is the one and only Anthony Catalina. Tony, do you just not like going by Anthony? Is that why you went with Tony like once upon I, a time? I always say if you don't know me, you call me Anthony. So that's a dead giveaway if anybody ever calls me that. Mm, okay, we all decided to wear hats tonight, um, just coincidentally, but one of us decided to wear a cowboy hat, and it is the person who defected from the Northeast to, um, I guess, like the, just the general South. Uh, Sean Martin, um, you now, I won't say where you live, I don't want to dox you, uh, but Sean, welcome to the roundtable, um, wearing your cowboy hat, uh, you are a big Kenny Chesney fan, uh, so um, that's those are the only words I want to say right now. How you doing? Yeah, this is the uh, Kenny Styled hat that one of our own BTB guys uh, called on me to wear after I wore the black hat to a different round table. So, you know, we're just going to keep changing out hats till we find one that can uh, get a win in this thing. But this is my favorite one that I wear out to uh, downtown or out in a kayak or almost anywhere. So, yeah, we're going to see if this hat can bring some good luck on the round table tonight. You know, I was born and raised in Texas. I don't think I've ever owned a cowboy hat. Um, so, um, you don't have boots know. either. You didn't know, like, what those Javitos hard show uh, yeah. that I sent you were? I, oh, um, yeah. I went to Texas A&M and I didn't, I never had a pair of boots while there. It was a bit more of a challenge there um, than any, you know, other part of my life. Um, you know, there's a lot of country music there, um, mm-hmm. you know, big country scene. Uh, Chris Holling, you are here with us tonight as well. What is your favorite country song? Are you a big country music fan? Um, I wouldn't say I'm a huge country music fan, but my favorite country song right now at this moment is probably Last Night by Morgan Wallen. If uh, okay. any of you guys listen to current stuff, that's probably more what I'd, I'd say I like right now. Okay. Uh, we have any other Morgan Wallen fans? Tony, you unmuted yourself. Yeah, you? yeah. I like Morgan okay. Wallen, but like I think my favorite one, my wife tells me it's not a overly popular one, but Sand in My Boots is probably my favorite Morgan Wallen song. Okay. That's uh, a good one. Who's your, like, who's your country artist you're like, most played on Spotify, Tony? I would say probably Luke Combs. Okay, so you guys are really chalk right here. Like, just <laughs> just so you know, uh, Sean's really old school with Kenny Chesney. I'm going to, like, round it out and make a super cliche and say, like, Zach Brown Band. Um, like, that's kind of... I like you got to drink beer with them at the Super Bowl. It's not. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did meet Zach Brown at the Super Bowl in Minnesota, and I shook his hand, and he had a cast around it. So I felt really awkward. Awesome. Like it was a really difficult um, thing to do. Uh, but hey, whatever. Uh, welcome aboard to those of you here in the chat. Uh, we've got some people talking. Watsamata saying, "Hey, Kevin and Rick, I was out last week. Had work stuff going on. Great to be back. Welcome back, everyone." Uh, Brian, uh, everybody, follow Brian on TikTok at Talk Cowboys. Says Chris and Tony responded to my tweets yesterday. Five points for them. Kevin says minus five RJ for never owning a Cowboys hat and minus five RJ for not having boots. Again, I mean, you know, I was born and raised in, in South Texas, like not South, like, you know, Cowboy South, like South, like the border of Mexico South. So, um, you know, not really anything that just ever you know, hit me. Uh, Watsamata says, wow, tweets about a year ago. I popped off a tweet or two breaking about six years of silence. Tony is on Twitter at Tony underscore Catalina. Sean at Sean Martin NFL. Chris at Cowboys underscore squad. Make sure you follow all three of them. Uh, Whoever wins tonight's roundtable will surely be bragging about it. Uh, We don't have a fun game in store here tonight, Chris. Uh, In fact, we're just kind of surfing the waves. We're going from Cowboys to surfers, from Texas to California, uh, like the Cowboys will actually about a month and change from now, almost two months really, uh, when they head to Oxnard for um, training camp. But this is actually the last bit of work they'll get before they head to training camp. The Cowboys holding a mandatory mini camp this week at the start in Frisco. We're going to get into the big headlines. But before we do, does it feel real to you? Like, do you count this? Like, you know, it, this this is kind of a, a divisive subject. Thank you, Bear, among people. Like, whether it is football, it isn't. Mike McCarthy doesn't want to get fined like he has each of the last two years. Like, where do you fall on the mandatory mini camp? I don't know. I mean, to me, real football is when there's real contact and real, you know, popping and just real tackling and heavy hitting. So, you know, whenever that starts, I'm ready. Um, But, you know, we are getting some interesting headlines this week as, uh, you know, we will um, discuss later on in this video. And I'm definitely excited to see that. So. 
Anthony says, what's up, Chris? Specifically, what's up, Chris? Anthony Wajardo, by the way, not Anthony Catalina. Uh, Tony Catalina, let's go ahead and get started. Um, let's just kind of go as much as we can in order. Um, the Cowboys announced uh, that the East-West Shrine Bowl will be happening at the Star in Frisco um, next February. We, of course, hope the Cowboys have uh, a lot of things happening in February of 2024. Uh, and that actually happened on Monday. Tuesday was the beginning of minicamp. But on Monday, nevertheless, uh, Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones had opportunities to meet with members of the local media, discussed a few things. Uh, Stephen Jones kind of poo-pooed the idea of DeAndre Hopkins, Tony. And then Jerry, in, in true kind of classic Jerry way, was like, you know, it's possible, but he was really measured and was like, but it's probably not going to happen. Uh, so kind of closed the door, um, but left the door, just creaked open for Zeke Elliott to potentially return. Like, where do you fall on either of these two things? Like, you know, do you think one is more likely than the other? What are your thoughts? You know, for me, Jerry Jones is always going to lead towards the, you know, the theatrics a little bit, right? He's going to be the guy that's going to let the the conversation be had on the national airwaves. He, he's not going to close the door completely because it's compelling conversation in the middle of June. I mean, we're sitting here having a conversation about it, but sometimes, you know, you listen to what Stephen Jones says, and that's probably more real. What's the pulse of what they're going to do here? So, um, I, I mean, I think we all knew when Brandon Cooks came into town that DeAndre Hopkins, sorry to Chris, wasn't real or like a real reality of a chance to happen, which, you know, I'm on, I'm in the camp with you. Like I want to, I want to load it up and I want to have as many weapons as I can, but you kind of read through the tea leaves there. As far as the Zika Elliott thing, it almost feels like unfair to me. Like why, like they, they let him go. It was a money situation. People like me who named their dog after him, like had to go through that process of grieving. And now it's like possibly coming back. It's like almost like, are you going to get back with your ex-girlfriend? Like it's, it's a weird situation. So I don't know if it's good for anybody involved and they should really just stick to one stance and leave it there. Sean, um, Chris, I want to get to you with the DeAndre stuff, but I think there's a section of the fan base, Sean, that is worried that Zeke's going to come back because all due respect to Zeke. None of us are here tonight to disparage Zeke. We're all incredibly grateful for the times, the memories, et cetera, et cetera. But this, this team had moved on. We applauded them. Okay, fine. You're getting you're getting with the modern times here. You're moving on. Would it not feel like a step backwards if they brought him back in whatever that capacity wound up being? And if that's the case, like, why do they keep flirting with this? Like, I think we all think it's sort of a joke, but the fact that they kind of keep bringing it up, I think, keeps stirring the pot of worry for us. Yeah, I think it's asking a lot of Mike McCarthy. You know, we already know the pressure in year one of this offense to immediately, immediately make it successful. Sure, he's gotten some nice new toys to play with. You're not just saying, you know, here's the same offense I'll ask you to go do what Kellamore couldn't call different plays and that'll be the fix. You know, he has Brandon Cooks now. They have new options. But, yeah, I think it's asking a lot with the pressure already on him and the way this team has leaned so much into being defensive-minded, which means Dan Quinn is over McCarthy's shoulder. To have all that plus the idea that you have to somehow incorporate Elliott back into this new offense and what that's going to look like while still keeping, you know, Pollard occupied as the lead back and then what's Deuce Vaughn's role going to look like. Yeah, it's asking a lot to find, you know, a specific role for Ezekiel Elliott on this team. I think across the board in the NFL, his role is going to be what we haven't seen manifest yet, which is that type of backup or situational running back that the market isn't really out for in minicamp because everybody wants to see what they have. The market for that will be, you know, once somebody gets hurt or in training camp or through the preseason. So, yeah, right now the Cowboys don't have that need. It's something that every team will go through at some point and probably ask themselves if Ezekiel Elliott makes sense. But for this team specifically, since, of course, he's already been here, I think it makes the least sense because you know, you know, all the discussions are going to come with it. You know the idea that he's going to be your lead back again. It's going to come up every time, you know, Pollard has a bad game. Any of these things are just not necessarily welcome when it comes to taking this offense a step further from where you left it without Ezekiel Elliott at the very beginning of this offseason. Chris, Kevin says in the chat, mark my words, all that don't bring Zeke back will be crying for Zeke as soon as Pollard gets hurt or gasses out after 15 carries in the game. Chris, do you know off the top of your head how many times Tony Pollard had at least 15 carries last season in a single game? Man, you're back with the trivia. You did this last week. Uh, let's go five, maybe? Is that It wasn't five? even five. It was wow. four. Um, so he had 22 carries in Green Bay, and it's worth mentioning that game went to overtime just in general. He had 15 carries in Minnesota, which is kind of strange considering they got up so big in that game. You would have assumed that, you know, he wasn't touching the ball. And he did touch the ball through the air a little bit. He had 18 carries on Thanksgiving. And all those three games, by the way, back to back to back. 
Um, so then the Cowboys kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit, and he did get 19 carries in the loss at Jacksonville, another overtime game, obviously, as well. Um, could you see a world, Chris, again, all due respect, where you are saying they should have brought Zeke back? No, no, I really can't see that. Um, I agree with Tony that I think it's honestly kind of disrespectful to Zeke at this situation. I mean, you already let him go. You 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 made him go through that process, like just completely move on. Stop teasing the idea of him potentially coming back. It's not fair to the fans who want him back. It's not fair to Zeke, who, who would probably like to move on and find a new home. And it's just not fair to even Tony Pollard, you know, like Tony Pollard, this – that move to release Zeke was really opening up the season for Tony Pollard. And now you're bringing up, Oh, you know, Zeke may come back for cheap. You know, like this is your, this is your year on a franchise tag. This is your year to prove all the doubters wrong and really show that you can be that big three down back. And you have your owners, you know, sitting in the box saying, Oh, well, we actually still could bring back, you know, you know, um, Ezekiel Elliott. So I don't love that they keep bringing him up. And honestly, I don't think we need him. I really think that, you know, it's no disrespect to Ezekiel Elliott. He was great in his prime. He was super explosive, had all the bursts that um, he needed to have. But these past couple of seasons, he hasn't been the same. You know, he, um, it may be due to injury. It may be due to him, you know, having too many carries early on in his career. But he's not the same running back. If anything, if you're going to do anything, then I would say maybe look at maybe look at Dalvin Cook if he gets released, you know, do something like that. If you are trying to, if you are trying to win now and really address the running back position, I don't see the point in bringing back Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think he, there's a huge jump from him and Ronald Jones at this point in their careers. And you're having Ronald Jones for much cheaper. You, um, you mentioned in the owner's box, Chris, and the last thing I'll say mm -hmm. on this, um, this feels to me similar to, I don't know if you guys remember when, um, Jerry and Dez were in the, the suite watching the Beyonce concert together at AT&T stadium. We were all like, I don't know, are they going to bring him back? And, it, and at the time the Cowboys had a larger need at wide receiver than they do at running back right now. And wide receivers are obviously a much more critical position on a, any football team uh, than running back. This just kind of feels like. You know, like this is one of those like Cowboys thing they just kind of can't quit doing. Um, so, you know, there are people and national talk shows that will, I think, make a, or take a lot more runway out of this. Uh, but I think we all kind of understand that this just kind of is what it is. But before we move on from these specific headlines, um, Chris, I know you're bummed that they are kind of being honest about their lack of interest in DeAndre Hopkins. Can you accept that this is probably not the the best utilization of the salary cap space that actually was recently um, acquired with obviously us passing June 1st because of Zeke Gillette specifically, or are you still like, no, this is the thing that absolutely has to happen. I can accept that it's probably not going to happen. And I think I kind of accepted that when they made the trade for Brandon cooks. Um, however, I'm not going to accept that we could spend that money on other things. I think that they still could go after DeAndre Hopkins. And I mean, I don't see any hurt in signing him to a one-year contract, even if it's a little bit expensive. I mean, you have the cap space this season, you know, go in, go all in, you know, I mean, like you're only competing with two other teams in the conference, really with the 49ers and the Eagles. Why not go all in and try and win? You know, like this is. I understand that we would have a lot of mouths to feed in that wide receiver room. I understand that. I completely get it. However, it's always better to have too many mouths than to not have enough. And you would hate to be in week six, week seven of the season and heaven forbid one of those wide receivers go down. And then you're like, man, we could really use a DeAndre Hopkins right now. And instead you have Jalen Tolbert, who we'll probably talk about later on in the show as well. Or, you know, you'd have another um, a Simi, you know, you know, um, coming in as that wide receiver three and, I don't know. I feel a lot more confident with DeAndre Hopkins on the team. Um, I think you should go all in, especially too, because let's say we don't sign him. He wants to sign with a contender. There's a couple other contenders in our conference. I would hate to see him in Philly, you know, because they don't really care about how they spend their cap space. They go all in on trying to win right now. So I say, I say that at this point in the offseason, I would, I would still do it, but I can accept that it's probably not going to happen. Um, Watsamata says, Chris, I disagree on chasing D hop, but great point on too many, um, is a better problem than too few mouths. Um, so five points to you. So congratulations, Chris. All right, let's move on. I have a feeling this is going to be kind of quick because I don't know that there really is much to offer. Uh, but another headline that came out on Monday had to do with the ring of honor. Uh, Jerry Jones, I didn't prep you guys for this one, so apologies, but Jerry Jones was asked if there were any plans to induct anybody into the ring of honor this year. He said, no, um, just for a timeline refresher, it was two years ago, the summer of 2021, uh, when Jerry Jones said on the Fox set, thank you, Bear, uh, that 
Jimmy Johnson would one day go into the Ring of Honor. Jimmy Johnson joked and said, while I'm alive, everybody laughed. Last summer, last June specifically, um, after AT&T Stadium, or actually after the city of Dallas was announced as one of the World Cup cities um, for 2026, Jerry was asked about this, said, nah, no plans. Got, I have no idea what, why you guys even asking me this. Like, this is a stupid question. Why does anybody even care? Uh, asked again about it to, uh, yesterday on Monday um, and kind of just you know swept it under the rug once again. Does anybody have anything passionate about this? Like, I think we can all agree this is just incredibly sad and unfortunate and petty. Uh, Tony, you look like you were about to say something about it. Yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing too like impassionate, but it's just, it's like you said, it's petty. It's, it's, it's really no point to go on that stage and say, yeah, he'll be in the Ring of Honor and then get pressed by the media who are just doing the job. And, and by all indications, this shouldn't be like a, like a big deal question. This is what some would say is like a softball question, right? A, a Super Bowl winning coach in your in your history a literal pro football hall of famer like he's literally already in the pro football hall of fame just so we're all clear right yeah and it's so yeah i think it's just it's obviously personal and it's unfortunate because it's robbing him jimmy jones himself and like us the fans who appreciate what he did for the team and the organization a chance to kind of celebrate the man and have him in and you know in in the rafters forever so to speak sean um there was inclusion or there was a mention after the initial quote uh, about Jerry, including um, the idea of DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware is obviously a part of this summer's Pro Football Hall of Fame class. Um, and I think, Sean, I'm curious if you agree that there's something like people say Jerry wants the Cowboys win a Super Bowl before he puts Jimmy in. I think it's really important to get somebody like DeMarcus Ware because DeMarcus Ware is a pure Jerry guy. DeMarcus Ware has nothing to do with Jimmy. He's not a part of that era. He is complete and total Jones only touch. Like there's no sense of Jimmy Johnson around DeMarcus Ware. And I love DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware is a friend of Vlog and the Boys. But I would be really upset, Sean, if DeMarcus Ware went into the Ring of Honor before Jimmy Johnson at this point. Well, Jerry has to realize that this whole thing, you know, not having Jimmy in there, say what you want about it, but it clouds the whole ring of honor itself. I mean, this is such a proud franchise. We all understand that. We all spend our time covering it. We don't need to dwell on it. But when you have a coach who's hoisted a body trophy and makes it to the Canton post before he gets in your ring of honor, it's like, well, then any name up there is like, well, does he deserve to be there? And, you know, it skews the whole thing. So the fact that this debate is now carried over into players that, Almost any generation can remember, you know, the Jimmy era was one thing when it comes to fans that can still relate to this team when they had that success. And then there's a lot of fans kind of in, you know, I don't want to say just my generation, but in my age bracket of where we didn't see the Jimmy Johnson days, but we still did see DeMarcus Ware. So seeing him get in to be a different kind of landmark to hit where it's like, okay, we know those teams weren't as historically relevant, but they still had a lot of, a lot of success. They still drafted, you know, well enough to get, a Hall of Famer, and so that's why he's being honored. But if he does so, like you said, before Jimmy, then he just brings you right back to the silly conversation of well, then why isn't your Super Bowl winning coach up there if we can just you know kind of have that pathology to keep things in line and have Jimmy go in before DeMarcus Ware so that it's all nice and organized and stays in line. Yeah, Chris, um, I don't know if you have any extra two cents here, but it's just – it's just sad. I think, you know, you're a younger fan like Sean is. People like people say, like, why do you care? Like, why do fans care? I think like I like my dad, like I think it would be awesome for my dad to see that. Like, you know, my dad rooted for those teams. Like, I think people who who enjoyed those cat like like P- Jimmy deserves the moment. We all agree. Like we all acknowledge. And it would be great. I think we all think for Jerry to get the moment, Chris. But like there's a sector of fans who loved those teams, who grew up with those teams. They deserve that moment. Yeah, 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 no, 100%. I think that there's so many people who deserve that moment. And I think it's unfair to, to, I think it's unfair to Jimmy to, to say like, yeah, you'll be in it. And then to just completely pretend like you never said that. Like, I just think it's wrong. <laughs> um, You know, you know, it honestly, it honestly, uh, you know, like I don't buy into the conspiracy theorists, but I saw a lot of tweets like, oh, the Cowboys curse will never be broken until Jimmy's finally put in the ring of honor. I don't know. Maybe that's something that Jerry has to do. He has to let his ego go and he's got to put his pride aside and be like, OK, you know, I've, you know, um, and just put his pride aside and be like, you know, I've turned a new leaf and maybe that'll reverse the curse, reverse the postseason curse that we have right now in Dallas. I am. Um... I didn't think this at the time, and I'm happy that I didn't. I don't want to be a cynical person, but I know there were a lot of people who thought Jerry was just trying to to upstage Jimmy's moment when he when he promised him the Ring of Honor. 
the further and further we get from it, the more it looks like that was the case. Like the more it looks like Jerry just wanted a piece of the moment. Uh, so he said what he did and now it's whatever. Um, but okay, let's move on. Uh, we're going to talk about Terrence Steele, but we're going to segue there. Thanks to our friend Watsamata. Thank you so much to Watsamata for the super chat. Watsamata says great bunch here. Love you guys. Here's for a round of cold fill in the blanks. Maybe some eights uh, with Troy Aikman, who I know definitely wants Jimmy Johnson in the Ring of Honor. He says, it's an ice-cold Dr. Pepper at the Mata House tonight. Uh, P.S. We're going to cover Terrence Steele's altered recovery schedule. Before we get to Terrence Steele, Chris, did you know that Dr. Pepper uh, was founded in the state of Texas? I did not know that. I was actually going to ask you guys, have any of you guys tried the new Blue Bell Dr. Pepper ice cream float flavor that they just came out with? That's um a full on Texas thing, Chris. You're yeah. okay. Well, it's, yeah, not, okay. Well, it's pretty say, incredible. Dr. Pepper's my go to Whataburger drive through drink. So I don't know if RJ, if that um, if that's po- positive points or negative points for getting a Dr. Pepper or Whataburger. Are you more of a root beer guy? Are you what's your Whataburger drink? Oh, I am from Texas, as mentioned. So I'm a sweet tea guy. Uh, okay. I actually Respect. really don't like Dr. Pepper, if I'm being honest. I, I know mm. that's sacrilegious. Um, it's a little too syrupy for me, like, I'm not a fan. Um, mm. so. Sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, Waco, Texas. Uh, so you know, Chris, if that's ever a trivia question in your life, um, you now know the answer. That's the uh, the home awesome. of Dr. Pepper. I should have known that. I love Dr. Pepper. I Tony, known you, that. it looked like you had a Dr. Pepper thought, Tony. Well, it was more like Mr. Pibb. You guys ever had Mr. Pibb? No, we like Dr. Pepper <laughs> because uh, Dr. Pepper is also the actual um, like medical doctor in Mr. Deeds um, that the uh, that Winona Ryder's character um, visits in her um her hometown. But anyway, uh, Terrence Steele, Tony, you wrote this article for blogontheboys.com, might not be ready for training camp. Now, the line all along, Tony, has been, he's going to be good. Tony Pollard's going to be good. Y'all chill out. They're going to be totally fine for training camp. And I'm not saying, like, you know, smash the glass, pull the alarm, but this is this is how it starts, Tony. This is the, like, okay, well, now he might not be ready. Then it's he's not ready. And I'm forecasting here. Then he's on PUP. Then it, then he's on IR or whatever. Like, that's the progression that these things sometimes take. So on a 1 to 10 panic scale, Tony Catalina, where are you when it comes to Terrence Steele? I would say I'm a solid 7.5. And it's usually Whoa. because at this point, the Cowboys are super positive, right? They're optimistic. They're telling you everything you want to hear. The fact that there is some concession about Terrence Steele's timeline is like, I'm going to read into that. And I hope that I'm over reading into it. And I think it's not, and I hope I'm not right in that sense. But when it comes to Terrence Steele, that's always been to me, the variable that needs to be figured out on this offensive line, because it's the switch that will flip so many other things that happen here, right? If he's clean and he's ready to go week one we can kind of figure out who the best five offensive linemen are pretty easily if he's not out there that might move tyron smith the right tackle move tyler smith back the left tackle then we got to figure out who our left guard is the only thing that's is is you know a guarantee is the center and the right guard and then you hope they stay healthy through training camp so the terrence Steele domino is like the biggest domino that has to like fall at some point and hopefully it falls in the cowboys uh manner here Sean, uh, I like this comment from Kevin. I mean, it makes me sad, but Kevin says, I don't know why people are shocked. Didn't we go through this game with Gallup last year? Again, the Cowboys were very optimistic about Michael Gallup. He's going to be totally fine. And then we started to see the same sort of progression. And to Tony's point, it's already complicated to figure out what are the Cowboys going to do at left tackle, right? Like, forget everything else. Like, are they going to play Taylor Smith? Are they going to try this Tyron thing? And if so, what's going to happen at left guard? Like, that's its own game of, of dominoes. But then you factor in the Terrence Steele situation. Well, is he going to be there? If not, is that Tyron? Is it not? Is it going to be Tyron? What if Tyron gets hurt there? Then who's the plan? Is Tyron going to be left tackle? What if Tyler Smith kicks out? Like, you really cannot find your footing any one way or another, Sean, until Tyron still is fully healthy. Yeah, it is concerning because, you know, we do the Hidden Yardage podcast, and Mark and I have kind of put an embargo on talking about offensive lines. Like, well, until they have the pads on. Well, lift it. <laughs> We will, we will tonight. So only when I'm wearing a cowboy hat do we talk, you know, trenches. But, um, you know, we, we put a hold on it just because they haven't put the pads on yet. But now we're talking about a player missing training camp time where you can practice in pads. And I'm not saying we need to see, you know, Terrence Steele at every practice and he has a whole lot left to prove as a, a player. I really do think he's a pretty established player at this point and the team has been so high on him. So if it's just a little bit of time he misses and then he's ready to go and play at the level we've all seen him play at, at either tackle position, then will be good. But yeah, it is concerning he's gonna miss time. If anything, the positive spin here is that it may be D quarters that left guard competition a little bit. You know, they're throwing so many names in the hat at left guard right now, including him. And I think that I'd rather see uh, Matt Farniak get those reps there or, you know, someone that's actually been brought up as a guard or Josh Ball, something along those lines. So if it's one last name that has to rotate in it, 
off guard while you also work out what your tackle situations are going to look like, then you know maybe in the final say the offensive line will benefit from this. But they'll benefit the most from having a healthy Terrence Steele, and we thought we were on the on the path to getting that, and now there's a hiccup along the road to where he's going to miss some pretty important practice time, it seems. Swainy Boy says on Twitch, the Steel news scares me enough to the point of wanting us to go and explore possible veteran options for insurance. Chris, that would be the argument against signing DeAndre Hopkins as well, uh, saving it for a rainy day or a rainy situation. Obviously, this is one of those particular things because we simply do not know. And Chris, I'll ask you, let's presume Terrence Steele is unavailable. At that, at that point, what's your ideal offensive line? We all agree on center, right guard. We don't have to say Tyler Biotish, Zach Martin a million times. So we're coming down to an Terrence steel world, who's at left tackle, who's at left guard, and who's at right tackle. That's a that's a tough question. Um, well, that's why I saved it for you, yeah, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I appreciate you putting me on the spot like that. I'll definitely keep Tyler Smith at left tackle in that situation, I think. Or, no, no, I don't know. You made it. Then, you made it one second into your answer before changing your mind. I just like yeah, that's, that's why this is so question. complicated. Yeah. yeah, it's complicated. It's really musical chairs. You have so many people who you can put at different areas. Okay, so uh, so would so obviously Tyler and Tyron are both playing. We all agree with playing, that. Yeah. Okay, so they're they're playing the two tackle positions, right? Like that's yeah. Or or I don't. Tony says no. So Tony, you're you're playing. You're going Tyron Tyler on the left side, and Matt will yeah, well, let's go. Yeah, that's right probably tackle. what I would do if I had to. Okay, now I want to see my quarterback get killed. No, thanks. the alternative to that is Tyler at left, Tyron at right, and spin the wheel at left guard. Whether it's Farniak. you know Farniak, Josh Ball, Chuma Doga, Awesome Richards, um, you know whatever, and that kind of leads you to a place of natural Indiana Jones idol swap when Terrence Steele comes back if you do believe in the prospect of Terrence Steele as a guard, uh, which, again, is a whole different set of dominoes in and of itself, which is why this is so complicated. Tony? Yeah, I would say um, they talk about it all the time, and I know it's a new offensive line coach and a different offensive philosophy, but they always mention that they like to make one move for one, right? So if Matt Willetsko is that piece and right tackle – just holding down the fort. He doesn't have to be great, and I'm not expecting that. But Matt Belesco has shown some positive signs to be encouraged when he was healthy. Mind you, he never really was healthy. The Cowboys, you know, drafted him with a bum shoulder from the beginning. So we're what we're going to see from him is still untapped. But with that being said, it's an easy switch when he when Terrence Steele is ready to go. You're only flopping Matt, you know, Matt Let's go out for Terrence Steele, and you're keeping your whole left side of your offensive line intact. So I think they may see value in that instead of, you know, moving two or three pieces to make one thing fit. So that sounds great, Tony, but to Watson Mata's point, who inspired this question, Watson Mata says, along with everything else, Tyron is a landmine that is guaranteed to go off. If before game one we're in trouble, it's after, if it's after game nine, maybe we're okay. Does anybody know? I've tweeted this a thousand times. Does anybody know the last time, sorry, Chris, for the trivia, the last season that Tyron Smith played the entire thing? 2015. That's correct. So just for perspective, Dak Prescott has never played an entire season with Tyron Smith. Like, think about it like that. That's pretty crazy. When you, when you like put it in those terms, Dak has never had Tyron available for the entire season. Obviously, Dak's missed some time too at different points. But the point being, like, it is a guarantee. Like, I hate to say that. We all hate to say that, but we have to admit it. We have to face facts. So, like, Tony, you're sitting here saying, well, one for one. You can't put Tyron at, at a spot and count on him being a one for anything. So, like, if you put Tyron at left tackle, then you create the ultimate not for one. Because if Tyron's at left tackle and Tyron Steele isn't there, what happens if Tyron Smith is hurt at week one and Tyron Steele is also unavailable? I think the situation when it comes to the Tyron Smith, like you said, it's it's inevitable, right? At this point, you talk about you don't want to talk about absolutes, but it's something you got to prepare for. I could see them the way they handle Tyler Smith just because he has such versatility and he's, you know, good about the moves and the changing pieces doesn't mean that it's beneficial or something he necessarily wants to do. So I think if they're able to put Matt, well, let's go at right tackle. You're probably taking a little bit of a hit there. But, you know, eventually, if we're going to say this world with Tyron Smith gets hurt, save that move for when you have to and then kick Tyler Smith back outside because again and you got to ride out with Tyron Smith as long as you can whether that's a month or two months so you see what happens from it because he's in your best player best five combination if he's healthy Sean I think there's logic I don't know how much I buy it personally but I think there's logic to saying what Tony said but to a larger degree like okay you're gonna you're gonna run with Tyron right like he's here he wants to play he's playing for cheap like you got to do it. 
And to a certain degree, you can make an argument, Sean, that you should say, well, then let him play left tackle, right? Like that's, that's what he does. Like, that's his thing. Like if, if he's going to be around, like you might as well try, like, like why else have him around them? Like that argument makes some sense. Does it not, Sean? And I've probably been one of the most vocal about really liking what uh, Tyler Smith has shown in the left guard, but you know, he, he's shown enough at left tackle to where, you know, I don't understand this whole, oh, they don't necessarily have a backup plan for the inevitable of Tyron Smith going down. Like, yeah, we want to see what Tyler Smith can do with guard, but if he starts there with Tyron next to him at tackle, and then you just have to slide Tyler over and, you know, try one of your other tackle pieces at right tackle. And yeah, it is more suffering. It is not your one-for-one swaps that may be ideal, but yeah, you, you found a first-round pick who just happens to be already a pretty great left tackle. So that doesn't just happen. There's your contingency plan for Tyron Smith if you need it. And see, I do think you can be comfortable with the idea of him starting at left tackle. I do think longevity-wise, he might be better at right. So I do like the idea of getting more games out of him just by putting him on the right side. So that would be an option. But yeah, you can be comfortable with him at left tackle if you know that Tyler Smith can go out there if everything else that falls into place after Tyler Smith goes to tackle is okay with whatever your situation then is a guard, which for years now they've been okay with, you know, kind of just average to above average play at guard. It's not a new thing where they suddenly are not, you know, getting further into playoffs because, oh, they haven't been great early, like they are a right guard with Martin at left guard. So they're okay with the level of play that they can pretty much get in almost any guard in this roster, it feels like right now. Insert one of them if Tyler, if, Tyler Smith isn't going to be there anymore and he goes to left tackle and then work your contingency plan that way for not having Tyron in his natural position, which is left tackle, of course. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, Thank you to Brian for the super chat. Says it's much easier to hide and cover up a mediocre guard than a mediocre tackle. Um, which I guess Chris would serve the argument of putting Tyron at left tackle or maybe putting Tyron at right tackle. That way you have two elite tackles seemingly in Tyler at left and Tyron at right. Um, but, you know, this all started with your indecision, Chris Holling. What would you do in a Terrence Steelist world? Who are you putting where? Uh, at this point, I think I would put Tyron at the right tackle and kind of just play Russian roulette at left guard because I kind of agree with uh, Brian's point that he put in there. And I also feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's really important to have those outsides, those outsides short up. I feel like, I feel like that left guard spot is definitely uh, more, more what's the word I'm looking for. It's easier to help that one than it would be to help the right tackle. If like they're getting exposed, if that makes sense. Mm. Okay. I, I mean, it's an interesting world, but it seems the Cowboys are at least committed to exploring one particular world. Finally, uh, Swainy Boy brings up on Twitch. I'm curious about y'all's thoughts on Smith getting more reps at left guard today. Talking about Tyler Smith, not Tyron. That's also what just like 
makes this more difficult in our brains is the similarities in names and things like that. Uh, so any boy adds, I love it just because I believe his ceiling is higher at guard compared to tackle, but obviously he is still good at left tackle with his versatility. Tony, I'll start with you. Tyron Smith worked at left tackle on Tuesday and Tyler Smith worked at left guard. This is the, I would say the most popular path that people recommend. There are some people who agree with Chris and putting Tyron at right tackle, but the Cowboys are, are at least aware, Tony Catalina, that this path exists for them. This is the all things are equal lineup, right? This is how if everything this is the Madden goes, injuries are off lineup, you're saying. Yeah, right? this is like we're chalk. Everyone's fine. We made it to week one without anything scary happening. This is how it's going to be and should be like you have a guy who is your starting left guard who is could very easily be your starting left tackle who in a lot of instances is preferred to be a tackle. But understanding in 2023, he's probably best served in a Tyron Smith world playing left guard. And that's why to bring up last subject, the Terrence Steele situation is so interesting because it's like, all right, if Matt, let's go, doesn't um, develop like the Cowboys have bodies, but do they have good bodies is the question, right? So that's why we can sit here and say, well, do we ponder Tyron Smith the right tackle? I mean, is Tyron still going to play guard? Like we know who the five guys are. It's just like, how are we going to do it? But like I said earlier, this is the everything's perfect. We're in a, we're in a happy-go-lucky world here. Tyron's at left and Tyler's at left guard. I disagree that we know who the five guys are. I know you're saying in a chalk world, but like we don't know. Like we don't know who the five guys that are going to be available, I guess. So like Who's your sixth man? Like, who's your Manu Ginobili, Tony? Like, who's your guy coming off the bench? Like, that's really kind of what this question comes down to ultimately. Yeah. And then you figure out the lineup. Yeah, I think, I think, well, let's go isn't your swing tackle. He's like your fourth option at tackle because it's Tyron, Terrence, Tyler. And then if those combinations already maxed out, then you go Matt, well, let's go, mm. right? So, but then your swing guard is either Chuma Udoga or a Matt Farniak and Matt Farniak's probably the leader in the clubhouse because he's familiar with the system. He's been there. And it, honestly, I, the, the, it might be a missing person out there because today was the first time I've heard of Idoga's name in any of these practices from any of the beat guys we respect. So it's interesting. Like we went in here saying Idoga is going to compete for the left guard spot and we just haven't heard that. So I'm interested to see why. Sean, um, do you think the Cowboys are comfortable with the, mystery around this like i think part of why we're so freaked out is because this has this has been a subject or we haven't had to worry for i don't know almost a decade right like it's been very chalk it's been you know oh wow um i guess you know lyle collins can play left guard instead of ron leary like that that was like the greatest you know point of indecision we had and that was a pretty slam dunk decision as well um but do you think the cowboys are kind of learning to lean into life as a normal nfl team when it comes to the offensive line yeah, like I said, it's been a long time coming where at left guard, they've been okay with the level of play that I think is right there in front of them on the depth chart. It's not like they're staring at this in the, sa in the same way that some fans are saying like, oh, this is a glaring hole and you better put Tyler Smith there and just figure it out at tackle because he's the only good option. Like, no, they have options that are right there in line with your Connor Williams and any other left guard that you've had these past couple of seasons. And, you know, so whether or not you pound the table as to why that's why this team is had shortcomings on offense the same way we pounded it over and over again about defensive tackle until they finally drafted Mozzie Smith. You know, that's for another time. But, yeah, they have the options at left guard that they're comfortable with. So I do think they're okay with, you know, sorting this thing out once the pad comes on, pads come on at training camp and letting this thing sort itself out in front of a new run game where, you know, Tony Pollard's the type of back and all the speed guys that they have behind them that are going to kind of hit the hole faster and than Ezekiel Elliott would and cut a little bit faster. So you have to take time to gel with that and take time to figure out what that's going to look like, your best options to still run the ball, which this team is prioritizing as well. So once that all sorts itself out, yeah, I think they'll be comfortable with what they find at left guard and everything falls into place once you figure out that position. Chris, Kevin has brought this up a few times in the chat, but this is the most recent one. It says they were okay with average play at guard because they had a running back that could blitz pick up to mask some of that. Um, oh, no. They, <laughs> Hunter Lepke is is another option there, technically, uh, to your point, Sean. But Chris, um, are like, are you like, does does this discussion we're having make you miss Zeke? I guess you know we we talked about that. Like, is is this a factor? Or is it just times are different, right? Like the players are different, and they just have to live life differently now as an NFL team. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't make me miss Zeke. I was saying the whole time that, you know, Zeke is great, but I'm not trying to pay $15 million to a pass blocker. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, and I understand that, you know, maybe maybe Zeke was definitely a better uh, pass protector than Tony Pollard was, but, you know, Tony Pollard's going to have to adjust and he's going to have to show that he can be the pass blocker. So, you know, now we're going to have to see, like, can he step up and make that change? And, you know, can he improve at that? What I do know is that, uh, having a poor offensive line whenever you have um, holes in the offensive line. I'm not saying that that our offensive line is going that I'm not saying it's going to be poor by any means, but I'm saying, you know, if we do have some holes that, you know, you know, crumble due to injury, then it's better to have an explosive running back who can break a lot of tackles. And that's what Tony Pollard brings and an mm-hmm. agile running back who can get to the edge and make people miss and make his own run. It really felt like anytime Ezekiel Elliott ran the football, he was tackled at the line of scrimmage. It felt like so. I don't miss Ezekiel Elliott in that regard. And again, I love Ezekiel Elliott, you know, all respect to him and what he gave to the Cowboys. It's just, I think it's time to move on. And I don't, and I don't think you bring him back just because he was a good pass blocker. Um, okay. We have a few more topics to hit tonight, but an update on our point situation. We have a tie for second place right now between Chris and Tony with um, 39 points apiece. Sean, you have an even 40. So you have pole position for the final portion of tonight. Uh, whether you bring it home is really up to you at this point in time. Uh, so uh, last thing along the offensive line, um, this popped up today too. Zach Martin reportedly has a soft tissue issue. Um, are we worried? I mean, we talked about Terrence Steele being a domino and not having stability there. Um, or Tony, do you just chalk this up to like, it's June. I'm not worried. He's Zach Martin. It'll be totally fine. He can miss all of training camp for all I care. As long as he's there week one, we're good. Yeah. If, if, as long as he can strap it up week one, I'm, I'm good with that. So I think, yeah, it's, it's noteworthy and I'm, I'm glad they told us and let us know that, you know, he's dealing with it, but ultimately Zach Martin, he's going to be there week one. I don't really have much doubt about that. Sean, are you worried about Zach Martin? Yeah, as the proud owner of a Zach Martin jersey, since we share a last namesake in my first ever Cowboys game, being in Cleveland, stepping out of my car and having someone yell across the parking lot, hey, I've never seen a short dude in an offensive lineman jersey. <laughs> Zach Martin, you know, these soft tissue issues, they, you know, they take time to heal. I'm not the injury expert guy that's going to be talking about, you know, the nuances of every little injury that happens between now and camp. But when you hear soft tissue, it's usually something that just goes away with time and rest and the Cowboys training staff, of course, looking after it. So it's exactly what they're doing, and they don't need to see anything on the field that's going to strenu- it's going to make that more strenuous when the pads aren't even on yet anyway when it comes to Martin and your all-pro future Hall of Famer right guard. Mm. Uh, Chris, Kevin says it's too early to be worried about a soft tissue issue. Do you agree with that? I do. I mean, I'm not worried about Zach Martin. He's been the most reliable player on the Cowboys since he was drafted, and he's been the most reliable and best guard in the league since he's been drafted. He's one of the best of all time, and – you know, he's been one of the most durable, knock on wood, one of the most reliable, you know, linemen in that room since he's been drafted. So, yeah, I'm not worried about Zach Martin. I am worried about the health of Terrence Steele. And I am a little bit worried about, you know, Ty, you know, you know, and I'm still worried about Tyron Smith, too, because, you know, as you pointed out, he, he can't stay healthy. Here's the thing. If we can't have a healthy Tyron, Terrence or Zach Martin, then Dak's going to have to learn how to run again because <laughs> because we are not going to be in a good position heading into the season. So so I'm not worried about Zach Martin. Uh, quickly, to end this subject, Brian, thank you for the Super Chat again, who is traveling while listening, says, had to pull over because this discussion is getting crazy. Pollard was the second-ranked blocking running back by PFF. Um, it does seem like we overhype a little bit Zeke's abilities as a pass blocker or overrate, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that just tends to happen, obviously, with a lot of things, which kind of leads us to our final topic, which is going to be a little bit meaty. Uh, but um, look, we, we could be honest. Sometimes we're dumb as fans, right? Like some, sometimes we we take the cheese. Sometimes we fall for it. Um, I'm not going to point fingers here, but there were a lot of people, I don't know, leading up to week one last year. They were like, I tell you, Dennis Houston, watch out. You know what I mean? Dak likes him. You know, guys, Dak really likes him. And that could really lead to something and that's just kind of the way things go um that's fine like you know whatever that's fandom in a nutshell so it's that time of year people like at some point this became too popular of a joke like now like everybody says it's best shape of my life season whatever this is the the season of perpetual hope the time for hype the time for hysteria that being said 
Are we buying the hype around Jalen Tolbert or as of Tuesday specifically, Jabril Cox? The Jabril Cox stock is is selling right now. The Jalen Tolbert stuff's been kind of slowly picking up, but today, Tuesday, was the day of Jabril Cox. So you guys can take this any direction you want. We're going to flip it around Missy Elliott style. Chris, you go first here. Are you buying either Jalen Tolbert, Jabril Cox, neither, both? The answer can be whatever you want it to be. I'm willing to buy a little bit of Jalen Tolbert stock just because I know he has been developing that connection with Dak since he was drafted and he has been putting in that slow burn work. And I really do think having that pretty, pretty bad rookie year, I wouldn't even say bad, just just uneventful rookie year. He wasn't able to get on the field, even when we were having, you know, not a lot of depth at that wide receiver position. He still wasn't able to get on the field. I think that he has a lot to prove this upcoming season. He's going to be hungry. He's going to and, you know, there has been I trust and I'm more high on on the consistent but slow like good news than I am just one Tuesday you know like one Tuesday morning we hear big news about one guy who just happened to stand out that one practice like I'm more confident that Jalen Tolbert can turn it around and show why he why he was a third round pick than Jabril Cox suddenly being like the man you know like I think we've been waiting as a fan base for a while for Jabril Cox to really live up to you know like that potential that 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 the Cowboys saw in him when they drafted him and you know, like I just I'm not willing to buy in the Jabril Cox hype, but I am willing to, you know, buy a little bit of stock in Jalen Tolbert. I think that he will have somewhat of an impact in his second year. It's not going to probably be the impact that, you know, a great wide receiver in the NFL would have. But I think he's going to take a considerable jump from this past season. Uh, Swaney Boyd says on Twitch, I'll cautiously buy into the Tolbert stock, but I'm still staying far away from the Cox at the moment. Kind of what you said, Chris. I think, you know, we were all a little bit concerned, Sean, that Damone Clark so easily passed Jabril Cox. Like a dude who we thought would redshirt the entire year. It was like all of a sudden taking all sorts of snaps and Jabril Cox couldn't fight his way onto the field. Um, and I think similarly, Sean, we're, we're all kind of willing to give Jalen Tolbert a mulligan because of the situation that the Cowboys put him in last year. Um, so the the stock buying kind of, almost like forces you in a certain direction. But again, there. look, I, again, I saw tweets that were like, oh, yeah, Jabril Cox, like this makes sense. Like what? Like, you know, let's let's just I don't know. Maybe I'm alone, Sean. Maybe you are buying the, the Jabril Cox hype. I will a little bit on Cox for now at the moment. Wow. Just the slightest bit, you know, Dan Quinn, fellow Josie guy, although he calls it Taylor Ham, which is messed up. But um, you know, he knows how to use middle of the field athletes. You know, it's been like positionless in the middle of the field when it comes to his time here. Those guys, you know, Donovan Wilson, is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? Javon Coast, these nickel guys. It's just the key to his defense. It is so multiple. It's complex. But if you want to simplify it, it's just put athletes in the middle of the field. They're going to be able to cover a lot of ground and confuse quarterbacks that way. They did it to Tom Brady and got a landmark playoff win to end his career. And, you know, they're going to do it to a lot of teams again this year. So Cox fits that mold. Does he have a long way to go? Sure he does. So I would buy in at the lowest possible amount that you could buy in right now to him you know the pads have to come on he has to show he can defend the run of course that's a commitment they made with first round pick mozzie smith so yeah a long way to go for both these players but more so cox because yeah i'm buying in on tolbert and mike mccarthy's scheme a little bit more they waited until the seventh round to draft a receiver to they want to see what they have in him and when you watch his tape at south alabama it was a lot of you know running clear out routes and routes that would help other guys get open and we all thought he would bring that to Kelly moore's offense but without realizing you know moore's offense isn't that type of route scheming. It's a lot of individual routes and stop routes. We all know that. So the skill set of Tober was kind of diminished in that way. Plus just the opportunity to see the field got diminished at the same time. So now you put those together, you have a scheme that might fit him more. You have year two on the books, you have more opportunities to see the field. And yeah, by the time the season comes around, he might be a guy who surprises and makes those one or two big plays down the field. Think of like T.Y. Hilton's 30 yard, third and 30 against the Eagles. If Tober can be that guy here and there to, make big plays and big spots for you. I think he can be, and you can buy in at this early point of hype season, which is mini camp. Uh, Tony, Kevin says hype Tolbert question mark hype for Tolbert is lining up on sides. I think that did kind of get conveniently forgotten that he literally lined up offsides on offense in overtime in Green Bay and was a big reason why they lost the game. Uh, but he says uh, lining up on sides Cox at least showed he could play a bit before he got hurt. I would offer Tony win when his Jabril outside of the play that actually Daniel Jones got hurt on two years ago, um, when, when Jabril Cox chased him down, like what, what, what moment can you think of from Jabril Cox that you were like, boom, they did it. That was, that was the moment. Like, but you know, barring you're not the, not the injury, like obviously not, right, but right, just right. The, that was, that was the, unfortunate, the, right? The yeah, chase the, down the, of Daniel Jones. 
Exactly. The speed, the 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 instinct. That was like, oh my God, this guy might be a player. And so that was like it was you know, truly like, I'm sorry, but Jalen Deshaun Watson in 2018 type of play when we got all hyped about him. Right. It was I mean, he was fast. It was he, he looked like a bullet out there. And like obviously not loving the fact there was an injury involved, but that was like, oh my God, if the, if this is what Jabril Cox is, then we're in good hands. So unfortunately he dealt with the injury. But as far as the hype goes, I, I wouldn't say I'm buying in on Jabel Cox just yet. And I, but I, what I am buying in on is oh, probably no. the fact he needed that, you know, he needed it. Oh, he needed his team to rally around him. He needed to go out there and make some plays. I mean, think about this. Damone Clark was a guy that many put, people put on the shelf. Didn't think he was going to play. Next thing you know, he leapfrogs Jabril, Jabril Cox. He's getting big time snaps. He's starting games and, and you're like, Oh man, Jabril Cox is like, what, what's he got going on here? So, um, much like Michael Gallup in the ACL, probably year two, we probably better off now. He's probably playing faster, playing more confidently. His knee is probably an afterthought to him. So all these things being said, he, he needs it, right? So I think that Jabril Cox, I need more of that, but it's definitely encouraging. As far as Jalen Tolbert goes, um, I'm buying in on Jalen Tolbert because the conditions for him completely change, right? The need isn't as necessarily as deep. He's a fourth wide receiver. He's a year two guy. Like last year, we needed him to step step up because we needed help offensively at the wide receiver room. Now with the three, you know, big guys up front, Tolbert's fighting for a whole different world now. He's fighting for that fourth wide receiver role. He's in year two. Um, expectations are extremely low, but you hear good things. I mean, and I've said this before, and I know other people have said it too. I'm not in the camp to think that Jalen Tolbert just forgot how to play football last year. I mean, even to the point where he lined up offsides, that's just like elementary stuff. So I think nerves, I think he was in over his head, get him in the program. He looks bigger. He looks stronger. And, you know, and that's, I'm buying in on Tolbert because why not? Right. It's that time of year. And I think that he has a much better chance to be a quality fourth wide receiver than what they needed from him last year. Um, I don't know, man. Um, I mean, y'all all seem a little bit ready. Like, you guys seem ready to jump right back into the Jalen Tolbert thing. Like, almost like none of you learned anything. You know, I don't know. It's just, I mean, as a fourth wide receiver, what's he going to get? Yeah, how much do they need him to do? Like, last year, like, as soon as he got drafted, it was like, don't, I don't know, maybe he could be at a wide receiver free. Like, it was always ridiculous that we put this pressure on him from the jump. And now, what do they need him to be? Like, not anything that he hasn't shown that he might not be able to already be. So. We lived in so, a Noah Brown at wide receiver two world. Like I, I can comfortably Dennis live Houston, in a Jalen Tolbert wide receiver two world. I, that's yeah. but like he, he played real he beat you, out, you talked about him like he, he did play. Like he he couldn't beat out Dennis Houston or uh, or Noah Brown. I mean he had the the he had the drops early in the preseason last year, and everybody's like, oh, that'll like you know shake off whatever, and it never did. I I read this uh, yesterday um, in the Athletic. John Machado wrote this, and it really kind of caught me by surprise. So uh, this I just just from his exact writer. He says before using the 88th pick on Tolbert last year, the Cowboys had a history of getting immediate contributions from wide receivers they drafted in the first three rounds, and I had like zero memory of this. Stefford Williams, a third round pick in 1996. Shout out to you, Sean. Your birth year was the last receiver the Cowboys drafted in the first three rounds to not make a rookie impact. He caught one pass for 32 yards in five games. But ever since then, any receiver the Cowboys have drafted in the first three rounds, their rookie year has had some sort of legitimate impact. That's like, so we're talking about, this is like, this is not common for the Cowboys. I mean, we, we can blame Kellen Moore all we want, but like Jalen Tolbert needs to take some of that blame too, I guess is my point. I think the reset is important here though, right? Like he, he said it, he owned it. He flushed last year down the toilet. Like for him, it's, Last year is a, a a total anomaly, you would hope, right? Moving forward, this is a guy who, who showed a lot of ability, and we were sitting on this very airwaves on this very stream talking about how we loved him in the third round and felt like the steal of the draft. So I don't want to just think that all of a sudden that's forgotten. Now, expectations are definitely te like tempered. I'm not sitting here thinking he's going to you know, pull big-time numbers or be a big-time contributor, but I think in a fourth wide receiver role, there's comfortable, you know, cautious optimism when it comes to his career moving forward uh kevin says tolbert can't even play special teams you can't be wide receiver four and not play special teams minus five for all the tolbert lovers uh rick says plus five tony wide receiver or fourth wide receiver he looks better and will be better 
Uh, Brian says uh, Tolbert um, will be fine this year. Not great, not horrible. Just fine. Let him develop. Um, David says Stephen Williams was so bad. LOL. That was, I, wasn't my five points. You know those five points to John Machado. Chris, you had your hand raised. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, we went a few seasons where we were like, why is Noah Brown still here? Like, what is Noah Brown really doing? And then Noah Brown this year when he was, or this past season when he was given the chance, I mean, he balled out and he came up clutch for the Cowboys outside of the Jacksonville game. That was a bad that was a bad moment. But leading up to that, he had a lot of, I mean, like he had the best season of his career. So, you know, just because Jalen Tolbert couldn't do anything doesn't mean that Jalen Tolbert can't can't get there. You know, like maybe he can be a solid wide receiver for in the NFL. I'm not saying I'm banking on it, but I'm saying if I had to take stock in either of those players, I'd feel much more comfortable taking stock in Tolbert than taking stock in Cox. Um, Kevin took five points away from you, Chris, says that Noah played special teams. That's a fair point. Um, Tony, I'm just going to say, Watson, I agree with Watson Mata says, I'm just wait and see on top of Like, I'm not buying stock. That, that's my point. Like, I'm I'm fine watching. Like, I'm, I'm fine being proven wrong, if you want to call it that. But, like, I'm just sitting this one out. I don't need to be, like, quick to buy stock. But, Tony, you had a point. He's penny stocks, right? You, you, it's a small investment. You can you can buy a little bit of change in him. But I, you know, honestly, I just wanted to say to Chris, like what you said about Noah Brown is true. It's factually accurate. But I would say that's more force-fed volume, right? If you give Toler, if you go out there and you force-feed him the football, the numbers will come. But I do think, in totality, and I would say this comfortably. And if anybody challenged me, I'd be surprised. Jalen Tolbert is looks like a better athlete looks like he's going to be a better prospect than noah brown was so i think i'm encouraged by at least what we can possibly see and you know optimistic about that sean uh let's end this subject with this gatlin garrett says i think it's gatlin uh says eric scott hype is higher than both of them talking about jalen tober and jabril cox uh gatlin says that mccarthy said today scott is playing like a top draft pick sean we've seen reports that eric scott jr who the cowboys traded up in the sixth round of draft has seen first team work. Now, some of that has been that Trayvon Diggs has not been there, although those uh, absences have reportedly not been contractually related. Um, Stefan Gilmore gets like, you know, vet time. Jordan Lewis is hurt. You know what I mean? So like it, oh, like very quickly, Eric Scott is like near the top of the depth chart. So it's not like, oh, he's like balling out getting first team reps. But um, do you buy the Eric Scott Jr. hype, Sean Martin? To some extent, you know, you can never have enough cornerbacks. So if he's going to be a deaf option, they already found Deron Bland as a fifth-round pick who played way above that draft status. So if they can do it again with Eric Scott as, you know, one round later, he's a six-round pick. But they did trade a future pick away for him to take him at the top of the six. So, yeah, they're high on him. He's the Dan Quinn arch type. I think he had the third longest wingspan in this draft class. And the other two guys went within the first two rounds. So, that alone doesn't make you a success, and he has a long way to go, like we're saying with all of these players. But you know, it's nice to be talking about position groups where you can actually kind of evaluate something in minicamp and OTAs and without pads. We spend so much on the offensive line because it's such a point of concern, but at least corner and receiver, you know, there's something to be said about what these guys are doing so far. So if it's so far so good for Scott, that's great for a six-round pick who, you know, around the league, usually six-round picks are immediately in a battle to even make a roster or practice squad. So he seems to be on his way to doing that. And if he does make it, you can never have enough corners. So he's a guy that can really help out and keep this turnovers, turnover streak, turnover luck that the Cowboys have had alive. He plays the ball well and can run routes for the receiver at times. So all traits that you want to have in a young corner, if he can make it through the roster, then you know, it's going to be better news for Quinn's defense. Swainy Boy says on Twitch, for those of us who hadn't heard about the Scott hype, what has he done in camp so far? It's just he's worked with the first team. He's, you know, it's obviously difficult to really fall in love right now, Chris. Uh, but that being said, do I mean, he's he's gotten more work on the outside than Kelvin Joseph. Um, I mean, which is significant, I suppose. Uh, are are you buying this a little bit at this point in time? I mean, like, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Dan Quinn, Kelvin is kind of case in point. Dan Quinn, not the best sort of you know acquirer of talent in the secondary at corner specifically, while the Cowboys defensive corner, he can certainly work with a lot of people, but he can't necessarily find that talent, Chris Hall. Yeah, yeah. I'm not necessarily, you know, just, you know, just like the Cox, I'm not necessarily buying into the stock of uh, stock of Eric Scott yet until I can see him on the football field. I need to see a little bit of preseason action. I need to see something more than just, you know, the reports. I know that some people questioned, you know, why the Cowboys traded up for him in the first all place, you know, questioned. all people, me, me very much. <laughs> so it makes sense for them to kind of push that narrative that he's looking awesome in camp, you know, like it makes them look smarter. It makes them look better. I'm not saying that, you know, it can't be true. Like maybe he is great in camp. I mean, I haven't been there. I haven't seen it, but um, I need to see it more 
you know, against actual competition, you know, on the football field, you know, like even if it's in preseason, I need to see some kind of some kind of real like showing on the tape for me to really buy into that. Tony, are you in on Eric Scott Jr.? I'm cautiously optimistic. And the reason the reason why I say that is I don't put too much talk into like the the hype of it. But I will say, you know, Mike McCarthy met with the media today and he like went out of his way to praise him, which like seems weird for like a, a sixth round, you know, a cornerback who's in his first mini camp doesn't even have the star in his helmet yet. So like for him to go out there and say he's getting first team reps and he looks impressive, like he could have shout anybody else out. But what gives me like the the nervousness about it was I don't know if anybody remembers last year they were talking up Nation Wright so much last year like Nation Wright was having a great camp and he looks like he's ready to take the the leap and he's the better of the second year cornerbacks between him and Kelvin Joseph and we kind of just saw how that worked out so I think that this you should be excited it's that time of year but who knows um, I like this question a lot from Kevin it's a good note to end on Scott versus Tolbert in practice who is your money on we'll likely see this at training camp. Who are you? What, who's your horse here, Tony Catalina? Eric Scott, Jalen Tolbert. I'll go. We'll, the, we'll, the, we'll the, say Dak Prescott's throw in the pass, just you know, for full simulation purposes. I'll go boring answer here. It's a wide receiver drill, one on ones, anyways. And Jalen Tolbert's a more seasoned guy, so I think Tolbert wins probably seven out of ten times. Sean. Yeah, I'll go Tolbert. I'll go, you know, football dragon guy for a second. But I just think his stop-start ability is, you know, something that can kind of give Scott some trouble. And especially in those one-on-ones, which is designed to give the cornerback no help anyway. So I think Tolbert can make some plays against him. And that would be a welcome sight anyway. Chris? I think it needs to be Tolbert because if it's not, I mean, if he can't beat Scott one-on-one in practice, then I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be not not right about my take about buying stock in him. And I would have spent money on a poor stock. So <laughs> in an offensive so. drill, do you remember last yeah, year with exactly. the whole dig stuff? Like, yeah, like mm. digs gets beat. And it's like, yeah, this is designed to have cornerbacks be beat. So. Yeah. Do you do you remember who it was that, that like there were a few clips? But do you remember the, the very particular Trayvon clip that went viral? What Cowboys receiver it was that beat him? Which it, 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 it proves your point. Was it TJ Vasher? It was Simi Fahoko, and everybody uh, was like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 watch yeah, out. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 4-3 speed, yeah, look at that, yeah, I remember defending, people defending digs because uh, Simi run like a 4-3, it's like, yeah, that's blazing speed, and it's like, all right. Um, So, we've got a winner, Um, I had a last second change, Um, last place was Tony, with 61 points, Um, so Tony, you, you, you held yourself back here by saying that you were going to go with the boring answer. You, if you want to be a salesman, you can't sell it as born. You know what I mean? Like right there, get out of sales. Really, kind of, you put a limit on yourself that way. So you know, just learn that lesson moving forward. Sean, you had the win at sixty-three points, and Chris was at sixty-two. Uh, but Chris said that he had to pick Tolbert because if not, he would be upset. I liked the conviction there because if y'all all bought you, you get the three of you bought all the Jalen Tolbert stock. There's none left for anybody else. Uh, but Chris kind of really dug in, said it has to be Jalen Tolbert or else I'm going to look bad, whatever. So uh, the conviction there really got me. Our winner tonight, uh, Chris Holling, with 64 points. Congratulations to you, Chris. How are you feeling? Um, who do you want to thank? Who do you want to make fun of? It's up to you. Floor is yours. I'm so thankful for this win, RJ. Um, I'm not going to make fun of anyone. I'm not going to put anyone down, but I am going to thank uh, my family. And I'm going to thank you, RJ, for hosting the show and to all my great uh, cast as well on here. Sean and Tony all killed it. We all killed it. I want to thank all the people in the comments who decided to to spend their Tuesday night, this Tuesday hour with us at Blogging the Boys. It's definitely exciting and it means a lot for you guys to spend your night with us. So without you guys, this one wouldn't be possible. So thank you. Sean, um, how do you feel? By the way, you were going to win based on, on the conviction of being the only one willing to buy Jabril Cox hype, uh, Sean. I, I I disagree with you, but I found it impressive, nonetheless, that you were willing to kind of hang some onion uh, where your competitors were not on that particular subject. But do you feel you feel sad that Chris kind of came in at the very end, you know, kind of a buzzer beater to, to end it for you? I've lost a few of these on budget beaters, actually. I think both of you, both RJ and Tony, can comment on that. Like uh, the one that Jess hosted, like stolen at the last second by Danny. So, yeah, I've lost a few in the last fourth quarter. So, you know, I don't know what the betting lines are on, you know, the live line of you can get in. And if you're losing money on your J1 Tober penny stocks that Tony was selling you, you can make it all back by just betting against me at the last second. So, uh, it's always fun hanging with you guys. Uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to try a food, different type of cowboy hat to a uh, 
pull out the mm. win, even though I do kind of want to bring this one back because I feel like it's the one that looks best on camera. But anyway, um, we'll have I to think try we need like a safari one. That's that's the next evolution, like, like one to I protect. Do, I do have here. one sitting right here. If we could do a live, yeah. we'll do a live uh, change here. But. Exactly. You look like Jeff Probst, Survivor Africa, right there. <laughs> we'll try this um, one to get the win next time, but always a great hanging with you all. Uh, Sean, you have been referred to as next week's champion by David. Oh, right. David uh, Smith. I like this guy. Tony, you're kind of the Buffalo Bills of the 90s of the roundtables, like just Yikes. the dynasty that that never really got it done. I mean, you've had your fair share of wins, but you come so close all the time. Um, do, do you feel robbed? Do you par for the course? Like, well, you know, where's your, where are you at emotionally? Sticking with the Buffalo Bills, I think I think Chris is like Josh Allen, and I'm Dak Prescott. Even though the numbers are similar, I'm the one getting the heat here. So, <laughs> wow, who does that make Sean? That makes Sean like Joe Burrow, like just kind of casually, you know, Cooper being a Rush. independent. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> they both get wins. They both win games. So hey, uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, Josh Allen, a lot of internet chatter that he's going to be the cover of Madden. So we'll see yeah. how that ultimately goes. Um, in the spirit of that, Tony, um, let's get out of here with you telling us what your favorite Madden was, your favorite wow. year of the game, um, why it was your favorite, and who was on the cover. It's got to be, and I, I hope I get the year right, but Madden 2004 with Michael Vick on it. Michael Vick You're was right. like an absolute cheat code. I mean, you if you were the Atlanta Falcons, you were not losing. It was like one of those teams where when you play with your friends, like you can be anybody you want, but you can't be the Falcons. Mm. Okay. Good words.